I have my bad days. I have days where I don't even want to get out of bed. That's just normal <laughs> being an entrepreneur. But in reality, I, I try to keep positive. I try to keep positive energy around me. I try to cultivate that around other people because in that positivity, you will see the opportunities. Podcast Mate Radio. Podcast Mate Radio. A podcast by a podcast media company for the podcasting entrepreneur. Every episode is an insightful conversation that will share maverick and solid advice to constantly elevate your podcasting game. From solidifying your brand, cementing authority in your space, to amplifying your message so it reverberates. You'd want in on these conversations. I am Brian Bruces. And I'm Nash Maiwala. The Podcast Mate founders and your host. Let's dive right in. On this episode of Podcast Mate Radio, episode number three, we talked to Vince Warnock to share his insights on his journey towards podcasting, dealing with imposter syndrome, and conditioning himself to perform at his best. Vince is an award-winning marketer, speaker, and an author of the book, Chasing the Insights. This conversation, he shared how his life took several pivots from being a professional radio announcer to a startup founder, a CMO, and how he gave all that up to live a life in his own terms while pursuing the things that fire him up, podcasting, marketing, and coaching. I don't want to say too much on the intro because clearly Vince does it best in sharing his story, but listen in from start to finish. I promise you, you're going to thank me later. You can also listen to him on his podcast at Chasing the Insights, where he talks to the biggest names in marketing, sales, and entrepreneurship. If you want to know more about Vince, check out ChasingTheInsights.com, or you can check out his podcast on Chasing the Insights in Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Tell us a little about yourself. Tell our listeners what you do and who Vince is. <laughs> oh man, man, yeah, what I do and who I am. If you got an hour or so, nah. We <laughs> no. got an hour, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now nah, look, yeah, and I know you covered some stuff in the intro and things as well, but I have a background in electronics and computer engineering. Like mm-hmm. genuinely wanted to be the guy that made all of the gadgets for James Bond and Batman. Wow. Discovered that <laughs> not actually a career option that <laughs> I thought I thought it was available, but turns out it wasn't available. So launched mm-hmm. into electronics, computer and software engineering, discovered very quickly that although I love technology and I do, I'm a huge techno um, geek, Mm. but the reality is the thing that inspired me more than anything was humans, was people, was their behavior, was understanding people and things. So I I worked in years in uh, electronics and computers and then got into radio. Um, And I know you've been an on-ear announcer as well, Brian. We're both old radio buddies, but um, (laughs) I used to be an on-ear announcer here in New Zealand at one of our major radio stations and loved it. It was Mm. my dream job. I wanted to do it since I was seven years old. I built my first crystal radio set, sat there at night listening to these announcers and thinking, man, these guys have their life sorted. Like seriously, <laughs> they get to play music all day. They get right. to talk with people. They get to joke around with each other. So like, this is, this is a dream. Uh, and then many years later, I got the opportunity to do that and, and did genuinely love it. It was an incredible job. I really enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't quite all the glamour that I thought it was going to be when I used to listen to the <laughs> Crystal Radio set. Um, but then also discovered the other harsh reality of radio, which is that it pays insanely poorly. Like, like yeah. Totally agree. <laughs> I, I was doing freelancing at the same time and making well and truly more money off the freelancing. And, and at some point, something had to give. I was building another company and I knew that I was going to have to give up. So, so I let that go. Um, but then discovered what I was really, really good at, which was marketing. And this was the convergence of 
technology and people, this, this fascination I have with human behavior, with why people do the things they do, these two things, combining that with technology, they came together to uh, give me a really good understanding of digital marketing. And I started out by doing web design because, you know, I've been on the online space since the online space was around. So um, I used to make those old school HTML websites with little animated GIFs going across. <laughs> Pride and Joy one day, by the way, was an animated Darth Vader where the lightsaber would go and light up. Wow. I, I have made it as a designer until I realized how, how horrible those websites were. But anyway, so kind of progressed from there, fell into digital marketing, discovered I was really, really good at it. Um, and then that progressed for a number of years until I did give it all up. Uh, gave up a very well-paying job to launch my one of my big startups, which was uh, Common Ledger. So it was a, a technology, a high-growth technology company. Uh, we jumped into that boots and all, and we went on a, a huge roller coaster ride, but a, a really cool journey. We raised a million-dollar seed round. Wow. Uh, we built it up. We got huge clients on board. It was in the accounting space, so working with a lot of big accounting firms. Um, and then got to the point of pretty much burnout, if I'm honest. Um, I was on the road nonstop. I was constantly having to be in front of people, constantly having to be in front of potential clients and clients and things. And, and, and the tension in the company was getting higher and higher to the point where I was literally plotting where to kill my, um, how to kill my co-founders and where to bury their bodies. <laughs> but I obviously would never have done that. And I'm pretty sure they were planning the same thing of me as well. <laughs> but, um, but it was just, it got to that point where I'm going, I need to make a decision on this. And I came home one day, I was traveling and I came home one day and my son, who was 12 at the time, he said to me, look, you know, can we have a chat? And I said, yeah, sure, sure. So he sat next to me on the couch wow. and we started talking away. And he said, look, dad, I know you're building a really good company. And he said, but I think we need to spend more time together. Mm. And Aww. that was so sweet. That oh, It was just, it was an incredible uh, experience Like for two reasons. One, half of me, well, I was quite split down the middle. Half of me was just so genuinely happy, genuinely happy that, I had the kind of relationship with my kids and my wife, mm. our family is really close. And we had the kind of relationship where we could be that open mm. without judgment, without anger, mm. anything like that. He could come to me and say, Hey dad, I need to spend more time with you. Right. And felt he could talk about that. So that part of me was really proud. And I was like, yes, this is awesome. So much. But sure. the other half of me was like, ouch. Like, mm. yeah. <laughs> I, so I made such a point of it. I said, okay, hold that thought. I rang my co-founders and said, guys, I'm out. I'm done. Um, we'll hire someone to replace me. Um, you know, I was a majority shareholder, so wow. I said, I'll stay on as a shareholder, but you guys can, you know, hire somebody else and, and mm. we're growing so fast. It would, it would be no brainer. Just um, like that. Huh? Yeah. Just like that. They were screaming down the phone at me, but I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'll talk Monday. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guys. Um, my son just looked at me and went, "Wow, that was easy, but I wanted to make it. it. It was that instant because I wanted to make that impact with him. Mm. I wanted him and my daughter and my wife to know that yes, I'm building this company, but they are far more important. That is the higher mm. calling, being a parent, being a husband. Wow. That is the higher calling to me. So I wanted to him to know that he's more valuable than anything I was building there. So that was awesome and a great feeling till the next morning when I suddenly went, hold on a minute, what's that thing that people need? A job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and although I've got huge equity stake in this very large company, you can't buy groceries with equity. It's, it's really weird the look they give you at the supermarket to go, no, I'm sorry, we won't take shares for that. Um, so I suddenly realized I had to get a job. So I ended up, long story short, I ended up becoming chief marketing officer eventually at um, Signal Insurance, mm. and uh, which was an amazing job, incredible team, amazing people there. Uh, and then made the call, and this is where kind of everything's converged at the moment. I made the call near the end of last year, but early this year, 
to move on from there. And there were many reasons for that. The main reasons for that were I I had written my first book, so I published my first book last year or mm. before. I can't remember when I published it now. Time has no relevance anymore thanks to COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I published my first book and then I, I went through this interesting kind of spiral after publishing the book. Mm. So I've always known that I suffer from imposter syndrome and self-doubt, like most entrepreneurs do, actually. Mm. Mm. Um, so I knew that this was on me. I knew this was the thorn in my side that I need to deal with. So publishing the book was an interesting experience where it should be something I'm incredibly proud of, but at the same mm-hmm. time, I'm very conscious that I'm going to feel this way. So somebody said to me, oh, you know, this is great. You're going to publish your book. Don't do a book launch though. They never work. Nobody mm-hmm. goes to book launches anymore. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm a marketer. Hold my beer. I wasn't actually. Right. But I'm like, I, I wanted to prove them wrong. So I'm like, right, mm-hmm. we are doing this. We are doing a book launch. Got a hundred or so people there. Um, it was just an amazing atmosphere, honestly. Um, wow. People turned up from my, my, my peers in the industry, friends, family, a whole pile of different people turned up to support it, to hear my journey mm. and celebrate this book launch, which was incredible. However, I knew I was going to have to justify something in my head. I was going to have to rationalize the fact that people are going to want a signed copy of a book. Mm. And to me, that's fine, except I'm not a celebrity. I don't know why anyone would want an autograph. I'm, I'm a fairly <laughs> average karaoke singer. Although in my mind, I'm pretty <laughs> if I'm honest, <laughs> every time I'm on stage in, in a pub doing karaoke, I'm at Wembley. There's eighty thousand people there. They're all cheering, and like having along. a concert. Yeah. But in reality, it's a lot of people looking at me going, "Really?" <laughs> but, so I had to rationalise in my head that they're going to want this, and and I realised that if I go to a book launch, that's exactly what I want. I mm. want to sign copy of the book because it's my way of supporting the author. But it's right. also, it's just something cool. It's a cool mm. part of the experience of going to a book launch. So, so I can rationalize that. I'm like, right, I've got no problem with this. This is going to be a great night. The thing that I hadn't counted on was the next stage of that, which was every time, and, and everyone did want to sign a copy, which was awesome, gave them a signed copy of the book. And every time I handed it to them, they all said something along the lines of, this is awesome, I can't wait to read it. And mm. every time I heard that, my stomach would not. And I was like, oh, that's right they're actually going to read this, which means they can judge this, which mm. means, and, and that night, honestly, I, I went home. I should have been on a high. I'm a high extrovert. Mm. It mm. should have been the incredible experience, but I went home and just spiraled. I was like all these silly voices in my head going, man, they're going to look at this and go, who do you think you are writing a book? You know, what makes you think you've got anything special to say? Or, or they're going to read it and go, oh, amateur hour. Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> you know, cheesy dad jokes which by the way, I'm quite proud of, proud of the cheesy dad jokes. Um, so it was, it was sharing to us in a bit, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> the cheesy dad jokes. You'll always get cheesy dad jokes. Um, but it was, it was a crazy journey. And so for, for about two weeks, I didn't even bother talking about the book anymore. I was like, now nah, that's it. I'm done. Mm. Uh, I don't want to talk about it because I, I had to confront this fact that I felt like a fraud. And it was one of my mentors called me up. And, and he said to me, he goes, he asked me how the book launch was going, how the book sales were going. And I told him, he was like, oh, that's pretty good. So the book was actually doing really, really well. And he goes, I just noticed something though. I've noticed there's no marketing out there for it. I noticed you haven't talked about it on social. You haven't done anything, mm. you know, what's going on? Mm. I was like, oh, look, you know, I'm chief marketing officer. I'm really busy, which I was, mm-hmm. um, but I'm just relying on word of mouth, you know? And he goes, yeah, 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 sure, sure. Let me tell you what I go through every time. I publish a book and he basically read that exact same story out to me. And that was what he went through. And I was like, what? This is a best-selling author. This is a guy who's written multiple, multiple books. 
Mm. And it made me realize, like, hey, it made me feel a lot better. Like, seriously, just knowing that I wasn't alone, that this this <laughs> spiral that I'd gone through was actually normal. Mm. Um, but also hearing that someone of that caliber went through the same thing just made me feel a lot better. So I thought, I need to do something. A, I need to deal with this, so I need to talk about the book. But B, I need to talk about the experience that I went through. Mm. So first step, obviously, write a LinkedIn article. Um, so I did that, <laughs> wrote a LinkedIn article about imposter syndrome, about what I was going through. And then I finished it by saying, look, guys, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to tell you, if you're an entrepreneur and a marketer, you need to buy my book. And the reason you need to is because I poured my heart and soul into this, and it's a good book. It's mm. based on, the, uh, on um, frameworks that I use that I know work because I've proven them, and I think this would add value to you. Uh, and two things happen. So first, big spike in book sales, always a plus, by the way. Uh, so that was <laughs> awesome. The second thing that happened was I was overwhelmed with people reaching out to me, wanting to talk about their journey of imposter syndrome and the struggles that they had in that. So that was a really eye-opener for me. And through the end of last year, this became more and more uh, prevalent. Like I'd speak at conferences and instead of talking on digital marketing, I started talking about fear and started talking about imposter syndrome and things. And again, it was having this big impact. And I knew I was, I felt this calling to, oh, wow. Right when we were recording a podcast, someone tries to call me. Um, so, this is the thing with live podcasts or with live recordings. Yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, what was I going to say? So I spoke at these conferences and things and it was getting more and more feedback from people and more and more people talking about it. And I had this, I felt this urge, this call to, write another book. And, and to be fair, I want to write many, many books. I love writing. It is such mm. a cool experience. Mm. Really cathartic to, to sort your, pro, your thinking out and to mm. kind of put it down on paper and things. Right. But I really felt this call to write a book on this. And, and the, you know, I mean, I'm not an expert in dealing with it because obviously I, I'm still dealing with it myself, but I'm, I am dealing with it and I'm learning coping mechanisms. I'm learning ways to kind of overcome imposter syndrome and to rewire your brain essentially or recreate your own brain's operating system. So I thought that's it. I want to write this book. Now, wanting to write a book and being a chief marketing officer do not go hand in hand. Like the amount of work we had, we're working ridiculous hours, um, so much pressure, a lot of stress and things and what we're doing. So these two things just didn't work together. So I had to make a call and said, look, said our CEO, I think I need to do this. I need to move on. And, and she was amazing. Like they're really supportive environment there. So made the call this year. So that was it pre COVID I'm leaving. I'm giving up a really, really well paying job to go out into the wander and do nothing but write a book. Uh, and that's wow. where it started, but then it pivoted really quickly. And that's because of COVID and it was the, a lot of the businesses that I was talking to a lot of the entrepreneurs I was talking to in relation to my book getting feedback from, um, they were hit really, really hard. And mm. COVID took away every revenue stream a lot of these businesses had, but at the same time, they still had the same overheads. So that was really difficult to hear. And I knew I had to do something about this. So I helped a number of these people. I just helped them to pivot or help them to rethink their business and to look at different marketing methods, putting things online, creating websites, all sorts of stuff that we did there to help them out and saw massive successes from it. And that's when I realized, what am I doing? Writing a book, which I know the book is going to add value to people, and it will, and I'm still working on it. But I also know that I can add a lot of tangible benefit to people right now. I can help entrepreneurs to be empowered, to, to learn marketing, to put themselves out there, to learn how to craft their story, 
um, working with people on like coaching people on how to write their book and getting their books published. Um, and then off the back of that, during COVID, I'm going, this is awesome. I'm helping all these people. And, you know, I'm not busy enough. So I'm writing my book. I'm going to write a second book at the same time. So I'm writing two books at the same time. And you know what? I'll launch a podcast. Why not? So, wow. so this, is, this is my new outlet. My new radio is um, my Chasing the Insights podcast, which is which has just been one of the most awesome things I've ever done. It's so enjoyable. So there you go. There, I told you you would need now. That yeah. is my very quick history of <laughs> where I am right now. I'm just doing a lot of work with entrepreneurs and helping them to grow their business and market themselves. Yeah. Great. So three things I've heard of there. Uh, you okay. instantly became a full-time author, if I may say, just this year, yep. right? Full-time yep. author, just pre-COVID or during COVID? <laughs> uh, just pre-COVID, uh, just before COVID. In fact, we kind of, I left Cigna and I'm like, right, I, I worked for a few weeks on just writing and writing and writing and then COVID happened and went into lockdown and I was like, phew, that was good timing. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be me, uh, cleaning up that mess. <laughs> so, yeah. And during COVID, you were able to put together an agency to help entrepreneurs market themselves or even write a book. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Yep. So that's what you're doing right now. You're helping yep. entrepreneurs with your, what was the name of the agency, if you don't mind Oh, no, it's, just, uh, it's just branded under me, so Vince will not, but really it's branded under Chasing the Insights. I did actually come up with a company name, by the way. Mm. I thought, right, I'm going to create this new brand. I'm going to put it out there and help people. And then I was talking to one of my clients in the US and they, um, they turned around and they said, oh, I was telling someone that I was working with you. And they were like, Vince Warnock, is that the Chasing the Insights guy, which is the name of my first book? Right. And I'm like, oh, wait, I'm already known for something. I might as well just fully embrace that. And who am I kidding? I am the Chasing the Insights guy. So, um, right. so the podcast is Chasing the Insights. The first book is Chasing the Insights. And of course, now I work under that banner, under Chasing the Insights. Great. Um, so Marcus is Chasing the Insights. Yeah. Uh, what I'm curious about um, in this, in the, your life timeline is that yeah. your profession, um, your background really, or what you studied was engineering. And then you became mm -hmm. a radio announcer and then you became um, a de designer, um, web designer, and yep. then you got into marketing, like three, four kind of like different, um, <laughs> different <laughs> roles really. Yeah. yeah, and I'm curious in terms of like becoming probably the becoming a radio announcer came natural for you because it was like really what you've been dreaming about. But yeah. uh, coming from having this engineering background, getting into web designing and then getting into marketing, like what was the process like? Did you study, like what, what were the things you studied? How did you um, yeah. get into it? I, th I think there's a number of aspects to that. So the first, first of all, study. I always study. Um, I and this is this is by the way one of the biggest benefits of having imposter syndrome. Like seriously, mm -hmm. and most entrepreneurs have it. I say totally embrace it. Like honestly, you're always going to feel like the dumbest guy in the room or the dumbest woman in the room. <laughs> oh, just, yes. just use that to fuel you. Use that to just study and study. And I always want to have you know things that I can teach other people so that I see I feel intelligent myself. That's that's really where it came from. But the other thing is all of the pivots that I did with the exception of radio, where radio mm. really was something that was a desire of my heart since I was mm. seven. So with the exception of that, um, all of the different pivots that I've had have been around helping people. And they've been around me keeping my 
uh, like keeping open to new opportunities, keeping an open mind around these things. But really, if I look at, you know, electronics was my first kind of career uh, in computer engineering and that. But all along the way, the web design stuff that I did, the marketing stuff that I did, even the setting up my company was really around meeting somebody else's need and helping other people. So that was my motivation behind it. That makes it a lot easier when you're pivoting. Like when somebody else needs a website built and you're like, you know what, I'll give it a go for you because you realize that they, you know, if they go to an agency, they're going to get charged you know, $10,000, $20,000 to do a really basic website, which they don't need anything more than that right now. You know, it was long before the days of Wix and all those kind of things that right. Squarespace where people can create their own stuff. So I'm like, you know what, I'll do this for you. In fact, it actually started, by the way, the web design stuff started when a, a vendor of ours at a previous employment that I had came to me and said, oh man, I'm so excited. I've just had this guy do a, a, a um, logo for my new business and he's done me a business card and I've got a website and I was like, oh, that's awesome, man. He goes, yeah, yeah. Can I get you to run your eyes over it and give me feedback? And I went, no, because <laughs> if I do that, I'm going to be really honest with you. So, you know, and he goes, yeah, yeah, that's what I want. I want honesty. And I said, okay, sure. So he showed me and it was it was disgusting. Like, honestly, the logo made no sense whatsoever. I'm like, what was he thinking? I looked at the business card and went, I would not hand this to anyone. I'd be ashamed. I'd hand it to my enemies, not my friends. This is horrible. And then the website was just an eyesore. And I went, you know what? Mm. I'd always played around with these things in the background. I said to him, I'm not going to give you feedback on this because it won't be positive at all. I said, instead, can mm. you just give me the weekend and I'll go away and I'll design some stuff and come back to you. And if you like it, if you like it more than this, then we can have a chat. And he goes, sure. And we came back mm-hmm. and that's, that was, he, he switched straight away to me. The website was much better. The logo designer, and I'm not a logo designer or anything. I just, I just knew I could do better than that piece of crap. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I kind of did this. So it, was, it really came from a heart of trying to help somebody else and, and realizing that someone was taking him for granted. Somebody was charging him for really substandard work or in other people's cases, charging them far too much for mm-hmm. average work. You know? So... Mm-hmm. So that's where all of the pivots kind of came from. Um, but also I just love new opportunities. I mm-hmm. love to try new things. And um, we have myself and my wife, Leanne, we've got this um, kind of internal thing that we say to each other. We, we always look, we always try something once and then see if we like it. Right. So Leanne said to me, I want to try going to this new gym. And I was like, okay, sure. And she goes, it's, it's, they do bar there, which is B-A-R-R-E. So it's all based mm-hmm. on ballet. And I'm like, well, great. Okay, go knock yourself out. You know, <laughs> good on you. Um, so she went down to the gym. She tried it and she came back and said, I think you need to try it. And I went, <laughs> nah. and she went, I think you'll love it. And she goes, remember, we try everything once. And I went, mm-hmm. okay. So I went down there and I gave it a shot. And it was honestly mm-hmm. one of the best workouts I've ever had, like better than boxing even. Like it was full on. Uh, and I was really sore afterwards. So I literally, I signed up on the spot and I'm like, okay, this is now my new gym. And we've been there for a few years now and, and absolutely love it. And then at the gym, they introduce classes like anti-gravity yoga, where mm. you kind of hang, it's like Cirque du Soleil, you right. hang from a hammock. And I'm like, wow, that's gimmicky. You would never catch me doing anything that gimmicky. Mm. Ever, 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 ever. And Leanne goes, try something once. I went, okay. <laughs> I <tried> it. <laughs> Completely addicted. Like, honestly, if I don't get oh, one wow. session of anti-gravity yoga in a week, wow. I get really annoyed. It is I, I come away feeling taller. I know when I had to talk about anti-gravity yoga. <laughs> honestly, I love it. But all of those, you would miss out on so many opportunities if you just if you just say no all the time. So I just want to make sure I experience things, I give it a go, and and that's where kind of a lot of those pivots came from as well. It was just like like wanting to help other people 
and wanting to give something a go. And then the learning just has to happen in the background. You just, mm. <laughs> you have to get good really, really quickly. So yeah. That's amazing. I see consistency in terms of serial entrepreneurs or people like you who just are very open to things and stuff like that. Like their life, they're not just high performers in business yeah. or in their professional pursuits, but in their personal lives as well. They're also high performers with your relationship, with your family. And I see like consistency in everyone that so far we have interviewed or where I, uh, people who I gravitate towards usually, um, because what I see, for example, uh, and we're, we're, we're veering away from the actual topic, but I just want to cover this. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm always I'm, open. Remember? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm very into, um, high performance. Like I'm a rock climber and a yep. yoga teacher as well. So this is like the other side of me, like my personal, um, pursuits as well. And what we usually, or what I see at least on, um, TV or whatever, this um, executive who's burned out, who's just really focused on work, but his life is not, his or her life is not performing really well. It's just married to work. I'm like, no, there's, there, there's a better way of doing this. You can't be just married to work. Like everything has yeah. to be highly functioning. It, you know, it, I don't believe in balance. I believe in performance, high performance in every single aspect of your life. Because if yep. you're a high performer in, at, at work, you should also be high performer in your personal life. 100%. Well, they've, they've actually done, and you'll know this nationally, you know, looking into it, but they've done a lot of research into high performance culture. And there are a number of different aspects to what makes someone high performing. But there were two things that consistently came up over and over again. One of them is optimism. Like honestly, mm -hmm. a, a high-performing person sees the potential in everything. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean you're always. People tell me I'm too positive. Um, mm -hmm. I disagree with that. Um, I have my bad days. I have days where I don't mm -hmm. even want to get out of bed. That's just normal <laughs> being an entrepreneur. But in reality, I, I try to keep positive. I try to keep positive energy around me. I try to cultivate that around other people because in that positivity, you will see the opportunities. Exactly. So you have an open mind to that. You're not insulin and looking inwards and looking insular with negativity, but you're looking outward that's when you see these opportunities. But the other aspect to high performance culture is being open to learn. And I, like I joked about, you know, being the dumbest guy in the room, but the reality is I'm actually quite comfortable being the dumbest guy in the room. I want to be surrounded by people who know more than I do, who will right. help me yes. to learn new things. And I'm a-okay with that. I don't uh -huh. have to be the brightest guy because in doing that, by the way, what happens is you learn so much from other people mm -hmm. And your experience expands, not upwards, but outwards. Mm. And I always talk about this concept, particularly in marketing of, of I, I call it the T-shaped marketer. So a lot of people, when they're looking at a career, and this is, mm. this is to me, career death. I hate this concept. They'll look at their role and they go, okay, I am a digital marketer, which means mm. the epitome of my role would be to be a chief marketing officer. Mm. So they look at their career and they go, what are the steps I need to take to get to the top of my game, to get mm. to that number one role? Mm -hmm. and, and they'll move up and they'll move up and move up. And even if they achieve that, I can tell you now, they're not going to be satisfied with it because they get to that role and then all of a sudden, now what? Mm -hmm. We need to go here. You've achieved everything that you set out to do, but now you either need to find a company like yours or bigger than yours that you can take that head role of mm -hmm. or, or you have to rethink your whole life. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, this does impact a lot of um, executives, a lot of corporates, where right. they will get to the top of their game and suddenly feel really, really unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. So I talk about this concept of instead of going up this ladder, go outwards, mm. like learn other skills, learn different things. Because 
Each of those may seem random in some cases, but they all add to the value that you bring to a business. Mm -hmm. And your value is not necessary in that one thing that you do. It's in who you are. And that's all of the aspects of your life that you bring to the table. So, so I always try and be open to learning and everything, but, um, but to your point, Nash, the, the interesting thing for me is I, I grew up in a culture of, I grew up in poverty. I grew up in a not very nice environment. And to me, it was normal. And I, I accepted this as normal to see people struggling. I thought Mm. it was normal to not be able to pay your bills. I thought it was normal to not have food on the table for your kids or to have to send Mm. your kids down to the supermarket to steal some food from the back, um, (laughs) all these kind of things. I thought this was normality. And it wasn't Mm. until I saw through that and saw past it that I realized I didn't want that for my children. Mm. I didn't want that when they, you know, when I, because I knew I wanted kids, I wanted to break through all of that, which meant that I couldn't be reliant on a job. Because I mm. saw this from my parents. I saw the struggles they had. I saw what happened when they were laid off from work. I saw what happened when things didn't go right or whatever. So I didn't want that for myself. I wanted to make sure that if I had a job, cool, mm-hmm. but I always have my finger in other pies. I'll always be creating something else. So I, this was really important to me. Me and Leanne talked about this when we had kids. Um, I'd love to say that it was fully planned. But mm-hmm. one day we thought she had the flu and then discovered <laughs> we're going to be parents. Um, <laughs> that was a scary learning curve. Again, <laughs> opening new opportunities um, and was one of the best things that ever, ever happened to us. Um, so then my daughter was born and I was like, right, okay. We're really, like, this is really important to me. I want to make sure that my kids, two, two things I wanted to kind of um, teach them and cultivate in their lives. One of them was I wanted to make sure that they always looked what was behind people's actions. So in other words, if somebody treated them poorly, don't just judge that person. Try to understand what's happening in their life. And this was just mm. lessons that I've learned through life. Be ultimately curious about other people because when you do that, it breaks down the barriers and it helps you to have empathy towards others. That was something that was really important to me. But the other one was don't ever be reliant on a nine-to-five job. Mm. Don't ever. And both of my kids, um, my daughter set up, a, she was at, set up a dance school when she was really young. Like, I can't remember how old, like 10 or 11 or 12 or something. Wow. Um, so she like, set up a dance school and things. Oh, she's 23 now. She runs a digital marketing agency amongst many other businesses. Oh, so wow. obviously she's wow. taken it to the nth degree. Um, and even with my son, when he was seven, he set up a, he started creating his own comic book and he would sell that uh, mostly to me and my friends. <laughs> um, but but the job. thing is, it was really important to me that they saw that there was, they could create their own wealth. Mm-hmm. They would, could create their own success and not be reliant on somebody else's success. So yeah, I think I, I'm with you, Nash. hundred percent important. It's one of the most important aspects of being a parent and being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And it just right. shows that it can be done. Like, you know, yeah. it, it can happen. It can be done. And yeah, exactly what's happening. Like you're, you're high perform. Um, you have really good relationship with other people in terms of business within your yeah. family. And now you're raising high performing kids. Yeah. <laughs> I love the sound of that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I'm just going to put that on my bio now. It's crazy. High performing kids. Because it would say a lot about you. It would, I'm going to digress again from the podcasting <laughs> topic, but this is just very interesting because um, I talk to my mom a lot uh, in terms of like what I'm doing with my life because how I'm living my life is not exactly um, common uh, in uh, coming from the Philippines, a Filipino yeah. was like traveling on her own and like uh, going into entrepreneurship and stuff like that. This is not very common, but we would talk about this. And then I would tell her like, you know how you raised me was so different from 
how my friends were being raised. Like they would tell me about their parents and then, but with you, you always just like, she would always just let us do what we want to do. Um, and if we had like, if we wanted to pursue something, the mindset was, okay, you want to pursue that? Make it happen. If you make a mistake, come up with a solution and then go again. Like just see, like there was so Love much um, independence and we had so, uh, she gave us space for us to express ourselves and really go at it. Like this character um, development, even when we were very young. Um, That's so important. That's awesome. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by PodcastMate. PodcastMate is not your typical podcast production company. We do all the heavy lifting to make podcasting easy for you. From audio editing, writing show notes, promoting episodes, and even doing all the admin work behind the scenes. We've got you, mate. At PodcastMate, we make your podcast production an easy breezy journey. Visit podcastmate.co for more info. I genuinely think, like, I, I was asked this recently, why, and, and you talk about high-performance culture, I just remember this, like, why mm. do I take risks? Why do I try new things? Like, why do I leave a well-paying job to set up Common Ledger? Why did I leave a really well-paying job to go and, and write a book and things? And one of the key motivations, one of them is, obviously, I want to do this, so I'm going to take the steps to do it. Mm. But one of the other key motivations to break through the fear of that decision is my family. And mm. I... Like I said, I genuinely think being a husband and being a, a father is the highest calling of all. The second is being an entrepreneur because you're creating something. You basically, it's like being a parent. You're creating something that doesn't exist, calling it into existence and building it, which is awesome. But being a parent and a, and a, and a husband is, is something that's really important to me that I create an environment where my wife and my kids know that they can do anything, like that they can have the life that they want. And it's no use me saying to my kids or saying to Leanne, look, you know, you can take risks, you can go out there and you can build a company and, you know, if it doesn't work, you'll learn so much from it and then you'll build something else and that'll work or, you know, it's no point me saying that to them if I'm not modeling it. So exactly. I want to create a life where I show them in, by mm -hmm. example that it's okay to make mistakes, that it's okay to take risks, that calculated risks, you know, not gonna, we're not going to live in a shoebox and <laughs> under a bridge somewhere because I've made some really dumb decisions. <laughs> there is some, some to it at all, mm. but I want to try new things and try these kind of things to show them that that's okay. So mm. that is one of my main motivating factors behind, uh, behind being high performing essentially, but also about trying new things. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I'm listening to two high performing creatives <laughs> down here. So I've just been <laughs> listening, but it's, it's, it's really overwhelming and and i i see that that all through the pivots that you did uh vince you you've been a creative entrepreneur uh that's yeah. probably the reason why you're not afraid to take risks because you know for a fact that you know what you're doing you've been mm -hmm. creative in different different uh industries that you went into but one thing in common is you've got a passion for helping people as you've mentioned and at the same yeah. time you use your you you've got the eye for the creative right like like your client you mentioned, you, you saw that some people don't just see it, right? They don't see yeah. what's awful, sore to the eye. And, and you have that. that's something that you have all, all throughout. Probably it's yeah. uh, subconscious. You're not aware of it at the, at the beginning, but you've fully mastered it right now. And, and it's amazing. And, and we're glad we're talking to you right now as you share your story to our listeners because that's something that we want to do here in our podcast. And I'm sure you want to do that in your oh, podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. as well and, and yeah it's it's just great uh 
But for people who do not know, I hope you don't mind sharing just for very, very short, uh, quickly. Uh, sure. You mentioned about your, uh, the, the word post, I forgot the term, the, your, uh, the, the one that you, the fear. What was that called again? Oh, imposter syndrome. Imposter, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suddenly, I remember <laughs> the imposter <laughs> syndrome. For those people who are not aware of the imposter syndrome, can can yeah. you tell us uh, a little something about it? Just very quickly for for them to to realize what this is and and why is this happening? Yeah, mm. yeah sure. Like, there's there's many facets to imposter syndrome. There's many ways it can kind of affect people, but essentially, it is that feeling and. And I can pretty much safely say that anyone listening to this podcast right now has probably gone through this at some point in their life. And the reason I can right. safely say that is the research has shown that it's over 72% of people suffer from imposter syndrome at some point in their life. And mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, multiple, multiple times. Entrepreneurs, by the way, are one of the hardest mm -hmm. hits on this. Uh, so anybody yes. who is the first in their family to build a business or go to university, like if you're the first gender, they call it, then you're susceptible to it. Women are highly susceptible to it as well because um, societal, in society, they've been oppressed for so long that they don't believe in themselves. They've been told to keep quiet in the corner or you can't succeed right. or you know, you're there to serve a man, that kind of rubbish. Um, then, then that's going to impact you as well. But also for those of us that uh, are creating something new or doing something where we've never done it before, these, there's often that feeling that we have, and this is what imposter syndrome is, the feeling that you don't belong the feeling that you're not worthy or the feeling that you, you're just a fraud, you know, like, uh, and probably the earliest I ever came across this. And I know, I've known I've had it for many, many years. I've always felt like a fraud or felt like people are going to totally see through me and go, Oh my goodness, man, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, but the <laughs> earliest I came across this was as a, as a young uh, guy, I was trying to be, you know, a businessman. <laughs> I wanted to, wanted to break into the corporate world. And right. um, I won tickets to a business breakfast. This was, the, the epitome of my career back then. And I won these mm -hmm. tickets. I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be amazing. And I got to hear from, uh, it was the, I can't remember his exact role, but it was like a VP at, at uh, Adobe for Oceania. He was mm -hmm. coming down to New Zealand. He was going to speak at this breakfast. So I'm like, oh man, I'm such an Adobe fanboy. Photoshop 2 had just come out, by the way. Um, that's how wow. long ago I'm talking here. <laughs> so I went to this breakfast, but I knew like, you know, I'm not going to fit in there. I didn't own a suit, um, so I went down to a secondhand shop and bought a really cheap, really ill-fitting suit. It was all I could afford. It was this grey, double-breasted, disgusting-looking thing. The sleeves went down to my knuckles. It was just so bad. But that was right. And I had long hair tied into ponytail. Like, seriously, not a great picture. But I turn up at this <laughs> event, and I'm sitting at this table full of people that look like they belong. Mm. They were these guys in really nice suits. Like in my mind, they were all Armani suits because I had no mm. reference point. You know, they, these look mm. like really well-dressed guys. They looked like they had their lives sorted. Mm. Right? And I'm sitting there at this table feeling like I do not belong at all. Mm. So the speaker started talking about his career and everything, and I took down pages of notes. Everything he said, I would just write it down. I wanted to be a sponge there. To, mm. to, to a degree, I didn't really care that I felt out of place. It was like, I just need this. But then at the end, he came around to each of the tables and he asked the same question. He said, hey, guys, have you got any questions? So honestly, this internal, I can still picture the internal monologue in my head. My brain just goes, okay, man, listen up. You've got one shot here. Like, he wants <laughs> questions. You are going to ask him something intelligent. It will be a good question. And everyone at this table is going to be blown away. Mm. Uh, what came out of my mouth was not a great question. <laughs> I, just, I, I couldn't think of anything. So I just said, at what point did you know you'd made it? 
And the table snickered. Like they all kind of looked at me like, <laughs> and I felt so small. I just mm. felt like, what have you done? My brain just went, dude, I'm out of here. Like, <laughs> mm. You're on your own now. And the speaker though was incredible. He turned around and he said, actually, that's a really good question. So the whole table stopped mm. and they paused. And I went, oh, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was probably more surprised than anyone. And he said, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Now, when you hear from someone you admire a little secret, you're like, I am writing down every word this man mm, says. Mm. He says, I'm going to let you in on a secret. I'm going to tell you my morning routine. And I was mm. like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be amazing. So he taught me through. He goes, you know, I get up, deliberately get up early. I'm like, get up early. You know, mm. I, I go to the bathroom. Oh, bathroom. That's interesting. Go to the bathroom. Okay. He goes, I fill up the sink with cold water. Ah, cold. That must be important. <laughs> Write it down. Cold water. Cold water. <laughs> He goes, I splash the water on my face. I'm like, ooh, splash, yeah. And he goes, I look myself in the mirror and I say, today's the day they find out you're a fraud. And I went, what? And he goes, I've never felt like I've made it. I always feel like an imposter. And he goes, and most of us do. And he indicated around the table. Now, two things happened there. One, like I just, I suddenly became very aware of this. I looked around the room and saw everybody there very, very different. Because the second he said, most of us do, I realized that these guys felt as out of place as I did, right? Mm. I was projecting my own insecurities mm. onto all mm. of them. So that immediately shifted my perception of them. But then the other thing that happened was I realized I have as much right to be at this table as every other person there. Mm. Because this guy, and he, he then went on to say, by the way, he didn't just leave it there. He went on to say, and that's when I remind myself of what I've accomplished and that I deserve to be there. And that was, mm-hmm. that's become one of the big things for me is I've often found that imposter syndrome or self-doubt or any of the things that kind of, and the mental struggles we have as entrepreneurs mm. are often because our feelings and our thoughts do not align with the evidence in front of us. And often we feel like, oh, I don't belong here. I don't, you know, nobody's going to value the, what I do or no one's going to value the content I have or anything. And yet the people are valuing all of that and you can see the evidence of it. In fact, it was a good, a good example for me is doing coaching now. So mm. I'm coaching a number of different people, as I said. Um, that was a struggle for me to go, okay, I'm going to charge people to coach them, to help them with their businesses. So I had to get my head around that. Immediately, I wanted to make it free, and then I wanted to make it really low cost. And then I was like, oh, but I realized I had to value myself. So one of the exercises my coach did with me was to sit down and go, I want you to write down everyone you've helped in the last you know, few years, even just pick the last two years. So I wrote this huge list of everybody that I'd mentored or I'd coached for free or I'd helped or I consulted with, wrote them all down. And then she said, now I want you to write down the way that you've impacted each of these and what's happened since you've worked with them. And that was a huge eye-opener where I suddenly realized most of these people have had major breakthroughs because of the work that I had done with them. And then their next question was, and you don't think that they would pay for that? And right. that for me was wow. the thing that made me go, you know what? Not only that, who am I to deny this from people? Like there are businesses that need this. There are people that want to publish a book that just don't feel like they're worthy to publish a book or, mm. or that they'll never be able to be an author or anything or, or the whole thought process behind it is so overwhelming. Mm. There are businesses that know they need to pivot, but they don't know even where to begin or how to market themselves or even how to tell their personal brand or their story or anything. I'm going, I can help so many different people. So that was, that's kind of how I deal with imposter syndrome is to go, you know what? It's not about me. And yeah, I'm going to feel like I'm not worthy and I don't belong here. That's irrelevant. The fact is people need me. So I'm just going to have to turn up even if I don't feel it. 
So yeah, so that's kind of, you, you touch one of my raw buttons there. That, that's, that's in a nutshell, imposter syndrome. Uh, there's so much more to it. The, the key thing with imposter syndrome is how it sabotages you. And often right. procrastination comes from that. Um, you know, not, not even starting projects, not finishing projects. Mm. Those all come from it. Not wanting to launch a podcast because you're like, oh, well, it has to be perfect. Right, right. It's not perfect. Then people judge me. Mm. Really, that's just fear. That isn't, you, that's, you know, you're, you're not procrastinating for legitimate reasons. You're just worried and your imposter syndrome is telling you that people are going to judge you based on this. You know what? Screw it. They haven't done it. You go out, you launch your podcast and see what happens. It's, oh, anyway, sorry. I can go on for hours on this. So Vince, when did yes. you figure out that you made it? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you my morning routine. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Let's touch on to podcasting mm -hmm. a little bit yes. because I think you're you, into it. Do you notice it, I try to segue at the end? How, how yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're a DJ. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> We're good at segues. Anyway, yep. Nash will ask you about podcasting because we're really interested to know what, what, what you've been doing so far with your mm. podcast and everything else. So, yeah, Nash, take it away. At what point did you have an aha moment that you like, Oh, okay. Now I'm going to start a podcast. Like, <laughs> and then from the inception yep. to the, the, the time or the gap between the inception and the execution, um, how sure. huge was the gap? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I'm a podcast junkie. I love listening to podcasts and, mm -hmm. and I, and I recommend it to everyone as well. Um, mm -hmm. for a number of different reasons, there are podcasts that are just entertaining that you enjoy, mm -hmm. but there are podcasts that you can learn from. And right. the thing that I like about these is they, they serve a number of purposes. One, you'll learn something new listening to a podcast or you'll hear somebody else's perspective on something you already knew and that will change your thinking around it. I think that is incredibly valuable. As I said, I like to always learn. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is often I'll listen to a podcast. I could listen to an episode of a podcast on marketing and realize I know everything that's in there and right. not, not boastingly, you know, I just, it happens to be stuff that I already know. But that does two things. One, it reinforces it in me. But two, it makes me, it gives me a bit of confidence to go, you know what? I do know what I'm talking about here. Mm, I already knew. Right. So, mm. so I just, I love that aspect of podcasts. Um, whenever I, I, I used to, when I was in the corporate world, I would walk to work every day and that would be my podcast listening time. Now it's when I drive my son to school and drop him off. Mm. Um, I listen to podcasts on the way home. So I was a junkie. List. I really enjoyed it as a medium and I really wanted to launch my own one, but it was a distant kind of plan because I didn't have the time or anything like that. Then come into, so that was kind of a couple of years where I'm going, okay, yep, mm -hmm. I, I want it, but oh, it's on the radar, maybe one day. And then this year, I was interviewed for a podcast, uh, a really big digital marketing podcast at the beginning of the year. And off air, the announcer said to me, when are you launching a podcast? And I said, oh, right. hey, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, how did he know? Um, <laughs> I've been thinking about it. I said, oh, I don't know. And he goes, because I want to listen to yours. He said, wow. I'd listen to you speak. And mm -hmm. I went, oh, okay. So that was like January. Mm -hmm. And then I made the decision to leave Signa and do my own thing and everything. Uh, and it was when COVID hit and I was like, oh, yeah. I was kind of reminiscing on that and thinking, yep, at some point I will launch a podcast. At mm -hmm. some point I will get this done. But obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're radio announcers. You know, we're audio engineers. Mm -hmm. It's got to be perfect. Everything's got to be wonderful. And if I don't put good quality audio, everyone will go, oh, yeah, you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, so I was kind of procrastinating on that. And then 
I realized I was coaching somebody else actually and realized I give them advice to just do it anyway. And I wasn't doing it. So I thought, screw right. it. I'm going to put it out there. I made an announcement that I'm launching a podcast in, I think it was six weeks. Um, and then had to quickly research how to set up a podcast um, <laughs> and have a look at what gear I was missing. I'm like, ah. um, oh, and by the way, just before I went to record my first session, um, I, I use a blue Yeti mic. My blue Yeti yeah. died. So I had to buy another one. I'm like, Whoa. wow. In the middle of lockdown, by the way, when you couldn't oh, get these things in. I'm yeah. Like, Very challenging, really. Yeah, really challenging. My mic's during the lockdown. Oh, they're, they're I know, all I know. Overpriced and they're all out of stock. <laughs> uh-huh. Everywhere, right. everywhere. So I managed to find a really good deal and a way to kind of get it to me that wouldn't annoy everybody that said, you're not allowed to purchase these things because it's not essential. Um, so <laughs> I was very cunning. Uh, but anyway, so I decided I'm going to do this. I'm going to launch it and research what I needed to do and then just did it. And it has been one of the most incredible things. It's been one of the most enjoying, enjoyable things I think I've ever done um, because not only is it another outlet for me where I, I love talking with people and my podcast, mm-hmm. by the way, is interviews. It is me talking and interviewing um, marketers, salespeople, pro wrestlers. We've got all sorts on the show. Wow. Honestly. Pro wrestlers. Yeah, I just interviewed a pro, pro wrestler today. So I was like, whoa, uh, we've got all sorts of people on there. And what I do is I talk through their journey and talk through the insights that they've gained along the way to help entrepreneurs. And mm. I really do want to make life so much easier for entrepreneurs. I want them to be empowered to try new things. I want them to know that they've got this, you know, that it's not actually that hard. Marketers, by the way, make marketing so hard because it keeps us in the job. But the reality is mm. it ain't that hard. It's about being authentic and turning up for your customers. So, so I wanted to empower all that. So all of my shows are um, interviews and through that, there was an additional benefit that I never even realized I would get, which is I knew I wanted to hang out with cool people, but I have met Mm -hmm. some of the most Mm -hmm. amazing people. And some of the people I've interviewed have gone on to become very, very good friends of mine and people that like, honestly, the other day, in fact, the call that just came through before while we were recording, this is one of the people I've interviewed just going, Hey, I'm like, that's all good, but we're on a podcast. (laughs) So yeah, it's just, it's been one of the most amazing experiences but also the feedback from the podcast as well. And mm-hmm. I also ran a virtual summit, which was tied around the podcast and around um, helping people to create a marketing plan. So I got 30 speakers from around the world and we launched that and the response was incredible. And the feedback between that and the show has made it all worthwhile where people are going, you know what? I'm getting breakthrough in my business because of what I heard on your show, or what wow. I heard in that summit. Uh, and that to me, even, even one piece of feedback like that makes all of this effort so worthwhile. It's incredible. But uh, yeah, so it's just, it's just been a crazy journey. In fact, the other thing is I, I've met so many cool people and done so many interviews and in that, that now I went from doing one episode per week. I'm doing two episodes a week now. Mm. Um, I'm enjoying it so much. I just don't want to stop. So I'm just going to keep growing it and growing it. And you're doing everything on your own Vince, or you have a team yeah. to help you out with it? Uh, doing everything on my own at the moment, um, that is going to change. I'm at the point in my business where I realize I need to grow a team. I need to outsource. I need to, um, there's a lot of different aspects. So I'm talking, talking to different VAs and, uh, you know, marketing experts and things like this at the moment to get their help on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll be growing the team because, you know, I can only do so much on my own. Um, but it was important to me to do it on my own to start with so that I could learn through the experience and so that mm-hmm. I could you know, I'll be able to help so many more people knowing all of the pitfalls and the things, knowing all the mistakes, like going live with your podcast. And then the day before suddenly realizing you haven't got notification back from Apple that they've approved your podcast. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> I 
gave them a week. What's going on? And then like staying up all night because you're stressed because you've told everyone the podcast is launching. And then first thing in the morning, you get the notification. You're like, oh, phew. <laughs> like, all <laughs> of those kind of people you don't think about. Yeah. <laughs> that was insane. Oh, that was, that was stressful. That was the right. only stressful part about doing a podcast so far. What yeah. would you advise for entrepreneurs or executives like yourself um, who would like to get into podcasting, who understands the value of podcasting and the opportunities yeah. that it would lead them to? Um, but, and also, I guess like the imposter syndrome would come into play as well. Like all these things that's going right. through their heads. Yeah. Um, what would you tell them? First thing is don't be perfect. Like, honestly, just do it anyway. Like mm. it's, it's not even a case of, of, you know, and like I call it anti-perfect. It's what my next book's mm. going to be called. Um, but it's the whole concept of, of it's not just about not giving into perfection. It's about actually deliberately don't be perfect. Deliberately mm. launch when you're not perfect. That's mm. fine. You know, like you will learn so much. Like you can make all these mistakes while you're early on and while the stakes are low. That way mm. when the stakes are so much higher, you've learned so much around it. So so I would say, look, it's not that hard. Um, I would I would look into services like Libsyn, and and they don't pay me to plug them. That's who I host my podcast with. But um, <laughs> but look into their their webinars, look into their YouTube videos and things like that, because you'll learn a lot from that. Mm-hmm. And then you'll realize it isn't actually that hard. You can literally just do, and you can record over Zoom, like you know, like most right. of us do with our podcast. Mm-hmm. You just record over Zoom. Just grab a, a half decent mic, a USB mic, like a Blue Yeti or a Blue Snowball or something. Um, plug it into your system and just start recording. Put it out there and you will learn from that experience. And the key thing is keep learning, keep improving, keep making changes because it will get better and better and better. Awesome. awesome. It and, uh, just mm-hmm. makes, makes us speechless. <laughs> it sums everything of what we're supposed to add. I mean, you know, we're supposed to ask a couple of questions, but you just answered them all. Great stuff, man. <laughs> I'm psychic, man. <laughs> so we ran out of questions. <laughs> so. Where you are now in terms of podcasting from where you started, like what was the experience like? What's the journey like? Oh, man. So first thing is you, you'll make a lot of mistakes when you start out, definitely. The first podcast episode I recorded was terrible. Mm. Um, and it was terrible for two reasons. Number one, because... I didn't prep the speaker enough. Um, mm. and, and some speakers you don't have to prep. Like some people right. like me, I can turn up on a podcast and I can start talking because I love talking. Um, but, <laughs> but other people, and, and also because I tell stories all the time, it's part of my job. It's part of what I help people with is how to tell stories. So that's something I'm well versed in so I can bring mm. to the table. But for some people, they haven't had that experience. So they'll mm. come to you and you'll, you'll interview them and it's so dry. And you'll learn, uh, I asked all the wrong questions. Uh, I always asked closed questions, all these kind of things. It was just, it was so bad, it's embarrassing. Um, but you will get better and better and better with each of them. So um, for me, I've learned how to ask better questions. Mm-hmm. I've learned um, so much about even the audio quality and things like that, making improvements there. But I've also learned what I need to prep people with. I've learned how to kind of, I always jump on a Zoom call with them before that like usually a week or so before I book them um, to be on the show because I want to make mm. sure that they're a really good fit. I've had mm. people, um, I can be careful how I say this actually, I've had people <laughs> on the podcast where 
I wouldn't have them back again. And it's not negative on them. It's just that they're not the right fit for me. Mm. Right. Um, they're not, like, we didn't gel at all. People mm. wouldn't know if they listened to it. I mean, they might know if they know me, but they would listen to it and go, oh yeah, I got a lot out of that. But what they didn't realize is there was no synergy there. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite podcast episodes I've ever done was with my accountability coach um, and Cindy Van Arnhem. She's amazing. And she's into all this woo-woo stuff and, you know, numerology and all this kind of things. So I joke with her about that because I'm not into that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I said to her, I'm going to get you on the podcast. And when we're not going down that rabbit hole, and she goes, oh. <laughs> so we talked about accountability. We talked about being kind to yourself. We talked about how we have to look after ourselves with self-care as entrepreneurs and because I have a really good rapport with her anyway, it was just one of the most enjoyable shows to do because we're just joking around with each other and we're having a laugh and all this. And then I get feedback from, in fact, we went to a dinner with some friends and there was someone there who I'm not that familiar with, but he turned around and he said something from that podcast episode. Wow. He goes, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? And he goes, oh yeah, yeah, I've listened to that multiple times. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like wow. I would not have picked you to listen to the podcast. <laughs> but he was getting a lot out of that episode. And I think the energy and the rapport is what really resonates with people. They sense that and then mm. they're, more, they're more open to hearing what is being said. They're more relaxed and at ease because they feel like they're in the room with you, which is the goal of the podcast. I want mm. people to feel like they're having, like with this podcast, people, anyone right. listening to this is just going to feel like they're in the room with Nash and Brian and me going, oh yeah, we're just shooting, yeah. shooting the breeze and, <laughs> and chatting away and, and unfortunately not having a wine or a whiskey. It's actually well known juice, but you know, like it's just, <laughs> just hanging out with us. And yeah, so that's what I want to achieve. So that's kind of what I've learned over the process. But the other thing I learned, by the way, is I used to do all of my intros separately. Mm -hmm. So I'd record the episode, then I'd go back and do an intro and an outro and add them to the episode. Mm. And the reason for that is because I wanted to make sure I tied it in with the episode. But then I realized right. that's a lot of work. <laughs> like, I'm doing this on my own at the moment. So right. I decided instead I would record everything in one take and just put it out there, mistakes and all. Mm. And wow, that's great. Uh, that's been a really good decision because it makes the editing a lot less. I just have to do some quick stuff on the audio quality itself. And save it as an MP3 file, bam, done. Well, so, I think yes, you, all you get yep. to have, like, this is not a promotion for Rode, but a Rodecaster Pro would be a help, <laughs> a big help. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> record and everything's there. Even you can do live and, and, and go with it. Well, that's really yeah. great. A lot of our, one of uh, one of my clients would do that, uh, that no edits, just yep. everything on the go. Whatever he records, yep. if he gets mistakes and everything, doesn't matter. He wants it that, I, I, I guess nowadays, the more authentic you sound, the more natural you are on your podcast, the more people can relate and listen to you. I think that's absolutely. Oh, and I, I don't just, I don't just keep the mistakes in there. I, I embrace them. Like if I stuff mm. up in there, I go, well, that was embarrassing. Um, <laughs> I got totally tongue tied there. Um, so right. people, people respect that. But the, the way I treat it, Ryan, it's like, a, I treat it like it's a live one, even though I pre-record. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I pre-record because honestly, the times that I need to put the podcast out there, most people aren't available. Um, mm. So pre-record it and then treat it like it's a live one because people people get a lot more from live ones, I think, than the, the highly produced shows. Or well, that's, right. for me personally, that's what resonates with me. Basically. That's, that's also resonates with me because I, I, though I've been in the production side of things for quite some time, it's just uh, for me right now at this stage, I'm tired of, pre-production <laughs> oh, yeah. totally that, that's why we got people to do it for us nowadays yeah. <laughs> so we get a I, team I now so I, 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 
I don't worry that for now because I got a team to do it for me. But before it was like all me, all me. So right now I just hit record and let them do it for me. <laughs> so much easier. Yeah. So yeah, that's, so that's, that's the difference between Vince that started the podcast two months ago and yeah. that's where he is now where I'm just put out uh, the, oh, actually when you guys hear this, it might be more, it'll be a lot more than this, but I just put out the 21st episode. So wow. I will have, uh, yeah, because I'm doing two per week. So it's just, it's adding up really quickly. That's a, that's a lot. Like 22 in, in how many, in in two how many months? Two months. months. Two months. You yeah, started August. You launched yeah. August. Am I right? August wow. 10th I launched. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So t- over two months now. Crikey. What's the over date? Uh, yeah. Over two months. Yeah. You awesome. won't let them see behind the curtain here. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is live. <laughs> so whenever you listen to this, uh, insert how many episodes here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is there something else that we've missed that you'd like to cover before we? No, just, um, I think we covered it all, but just as a kind of recap, I guess, you know, you can do this. Like anyone can do this. Mm. Like if you, if you, if you really want to try just don't try and be perfect. Don't try and wait until everything's all aligned or wait until you get the opportunities. Just make your own opportunities and do it now. And it doesn't have to be perfect. And you will learn and learn and learn. Trust me, the people that started doing podcasting years and years ago, Mm-hmm. they started terrible. Like you listen to Pat Flynn, who I'm a huge fan of. Pat Flynn's first podcast episode is so cringeworthy. It's unbelievable. He uh, plays I am to too. show you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brian is he's, a fan. Yeah, oh, yeah. Hey, I, I listen to I'm not guy. surprised, Brian. Hey, he's, he's like the master <laughs> of podcasting. Right. But you listen to him now and he is the consummate pro. He's just incredible. And he's just got, his voice is incredible. I, I, I could just sit and listen to his voice all day, which is quite creepy when I say that loud. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But you will start, you will suck. It is okay. Is there anything you'd like to promote? Any new book, uh, promoting your podcast or a new virtual? Sure. Um, I really hope though that I've, I've known about you before the summit so I could have like attended your summit. But <laughs> Yeah, well, I do have another summit coming up early next year, but it's not ready yet. So I can't promote mm. that just now. Um, okay. My books are still in the work. I've got, as I said, two books I'm working on, but they will come out next year. Um, the biggest thing is chasingtheinsights.com. Go to the website. You'll see the podcast in there. Um, whenever the summits uh, and new summits are announced, they'll be on there as well. But also I set up the Chasing the Insights Insider Club. So I have so many amazing guests on the show. And we continue, like even when we've done the recording, we usually continue and have conversations on different things. And I thought, hang on, people will really want this. This is really valuable stuff. So I set up this Insiders Club, which is a way to support the podcast so basically they subscribe to it. It's like $10 a month and they get access to all this behind the scenes stuff. They get additional masterclasses from me on marketing, on mindset, on sales, et cetera. They get downloads, they get uh, additional content from each of the amazing speakers we have on. So honestly, that has been uh, like the response to that's been incredible. Like the, the, the amount of people subscribing to it is awesome. It helps the show, helps wow. keep me motivated for the show, which is great as well. Um, but also the feedback from people, the stuff they're learning in the uh, Insiders Club is just phenomenal. So that's probably the biggest thing I'm promoting at the moment, Nish. Right. Where else can they find you, Vince? Uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm always active on LinkedIn um, and on Facebook as well. I have a Facebook group called Chasing the Insights. Mm. Come and join us. A bunch of awesome entrepreneurs in there. I'm in there. Um, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a member. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's a member. Um, oh. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much where they can find me. All right. Awesome. All right. Cool. Well, thank you very much for your time with us, Vince. It's been an enjoyable, enjoyable. Just like our la- our first conversation. 
exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just, Great. Uh, now it's been a blast. You guys are awesome. So I love what you're doing. So um, yeah, this has been an absolute blast. You're listening to Podcast Mate Radio. Podcast Mate. Podcast Mate Radio. Podcast Mate Radio. Podcast Mate Radio, where we talk about how to help you make your podcast production an easy, breezy journey. Podcast Mate. Podcast Mate. Podcast Mate. Podcast Mate. Podcast Mate Radio. Podcast Mate Radio. Podcast Mate Radio. Podcast Mate Radio. Podcast Mate Radio.